turn in our Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, please, chapter 11. We've been doing a bit of meditation in Ecclesiastes of late, and I was reminded here in chapter 11 concerning the importance of keeping the main thing the main thing, which is soul winning. And I'd uh, just like to refresh our minds concerning our mandate from heaven shortly before our Lord Jesus went back to glory he gave his disciples a mandate a commission which is the great commission note here in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse number 1 uh, the Bible reads cast thy bread upon the waters for thou shalt find it after many days. Let's bow for prayer. O God in heaven, we ask and pray that you would help us to set our affections upon things above. I pray that you'd meet each one at that point of need. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. The title of my sermon this evening is Keeping the Main Thing, the Main Thing. It seems that within this coronavirus pandemic, thanks to the media and thanks to our feeble, finite minds, we are failing to keep the main thing the main thing. I'm talking generally. I'm sure you and I are the exception. We are obsessed with the thought of getting this coronavirus and we have convinced ourselves that we will die if we get it. But the truth of the matter is that unless you have compromised health and you are elderly, vulnerable, you will not die from coronavirus. But the scriptures teach that all will die and face judgment. Hebrews 9.27, for it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. How is it that we get so worried about getting a virus that won't kill anybody on its own steam but we fail to recognise and live in the reality that people are either going to heaven or to hell? And that the Bible teaches us that man has an eternal spirit infected with a terminal condition called sin and everybody will die eventually. And they will either go to heaven or hell. To have Christ is to exist eternally in his presence. My Bible teaches very clearly to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But in contrast, to die without Jesus Christ means that one will lift up their eyes being in torments, plural. Hellfire is eternal, just like heaven is eternal. Note there in Matthew chapter 25, please. Matthew chapter 25.
In verse number 46, the Lord Jesus said, Matthew 25, 46, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The base word for the word translated everlasting and eternal are the same. Eternal life, everlasting punishment. So the Bible teaches us that the righteous will go into life eternal, life everlasting. And the Bible teaches those that are not righteous in Christ will be punished, eternal, everlasting. Beloved, I think we need to take our eyes off ourselves and reset our eyes on the fields or the field, I should say, of eternal souls. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter Uh, John chapter 4 in John chapter 4 verse number 34 the Lord Jesus said my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work may I submit to you that we as God's people pandemic or no pandemic God has a will for us And that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the Lord Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. To be faithful in doing what God has willed for me. That was the testimony of the eternal Son of God. And note then verse number 39 of this same chapter. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So because the Lord Jesus witnessed in this one soul, that one soul went back into town and shared what she knew. And as a result, many were converted to Jesus Christ. And it's with that background the Lord Jesus said to his own disciples, lift up your eyes unto the fields that are white unto harvest. And may God help us to refocus upon the main thing, which is to win people to Jesus Christ. As opposed to being obsessed about getting some virus, and yet we say as Bible-believing Christians we have the hope of eternal life, We don't live like we have the hope of eternal life. In fact, Christians included, it seems like people are uh, absolutely obsessed with the hope of a vaccine for the coronavirus. Vaccine or no vaccine, people are still going to die. And it's a point under man wants to die and then the judgment. And beloved, you and I as God's people need to refocus, I believe, And we need to get back to the main thing, which is to win men and women to Jesus Christ. And in turning back to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, I'd like to just share some thoughts or some principles that might help us to kickstart our soul winning further once again. 
Note here in verse number 1, the Bible talks about cast thy bread upon the waters, Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, for thou shalt find it after many days. The first principle I'd like for us to note involves the illustration of exporting, maritime trade. Exporting goods will eventually lead to revenue. There is a time lapse from the time of sending out goods and gaining revenues for those goods. So we have here illustrated the principle of sowing and reaping. So just like a ship of goods needs to endure water currents, winds, tides and potential dangers of the seas and business venture, you and I as God's people need to determine to sow because by God's grace we will reap in due time. So cast thy bread upon the waters for thou shalt find it after many days. The principle of sowing and reaping. And one thought that uh, the Bible uh, reminds us of concerning how we as God's people can just um, reignite in soul winning is to be reminded of the fact if we do not sow, we will not reap. It's as simple as that. God will not violate his word. In other words, if we sow, we will reap. Now, how should we sow? Good question. Go to Psalm 126, please. Psalm 126. In verse 5 and 6, the Bible teaches us how we should sow the seed. Note then verse 5 and 6, it reads, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Note verse 6, Psalm 126, verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves, his harvest with him. So the Bible teaches us that we need to go forth bearing precious seed, but we are to go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, and we shall doubtless, with certainty, come back rejoicing with a harvest. So the Bible teaches us that we are to sow weeping. We are to sow with compassion. When you see people from God's perspective, and that is that people have an eternal soul, and what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? People need to be reminded of the fact that it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. People need to be confronted with that very fact. So the first principle I'd like for us to be mindful of this evening, if we are to reignite our soul winning further, is that you and I need to be mindful that God will not violate his word, that we and I need to cast our bread upon the waters and after many days, the Bible teaches us, we will reap a harvest. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9, please. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. 
the Bible reads, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And back in verse number 7, the Bible gives us the principle of sowing and reaping. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Faint in what area? Faint in the area of sowing. So may God help us to sow the gospel with compassion. And may God help us to be faithful in sowing the good news of the gospel. If we do not sow, we will not reap. And the reason why many of us are not winning people to Christ in 2020 is because we're not sowing, sowing, sowing. And we are not sowing, sowing, sowing with compassion, weeping with a genuine concern for man's eternal soul. And back in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, the Bible gives us another principle that will help us to ignite our soul-winning fervour. Note then verse number 2 of chapter 11. The Bible reads, Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. I'd like for us to note from this verse that you and I as God's people, if we are to be effective in our soul winning, we need to take the opportunities before us. We need to maximise the opportunities before us. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, the principle of opportunity. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. So if you and I are to be effective in soul winning, we need to sow, we need to sow weeping, we need to sow faithfully, don't be weary in sowing the gospel, but also, beloved, we need to take the opportunities that are before us. See every opportunity as a divine appointment to be a witness for Jesus Christ, whether it be in the context of your workplace with a new work colleague or maybe a a neighbour or a family member that has a need, uh, God is the God of the open door. Now when I think of my Lord Jesus, he took advantage of opportunities. There in John chapter 2, he was invited to a wedding feast and in that wedding feast he manifested his glory and many believed on his name. He took advantage of that opportunity. I see in John chapter 3, the Lord Jesus was approached by a religious man in the evening. He didn't make an appointment with our Lord Jesus. Of course, the Lord Jesus, being eternal God, he knew of that appointment. But at face value, this man came on his own time and he wanted to talk about spiritual issues. And beloved, you and I as God's people, we are often guilty of missing those divine opportunities where somebody approaches or asks a question or makes a a comment that is an absolute open door to being a witness for Jesus Christ. 
And then we go to John chapter 4. We see the Lord Jesus sat on a well to refresh Himself. And while He sat at that well, He was approached by a Samaritan woman who came to draw water from that well. So He was in the right time and the right place at the right time, witnessing opportunity. In John chapter 3, somebody came to Him at an obscure time and asked Him questions, witnessing opportunity. John chapter 2, the Lord Jesus was invited to an occasion, a celebration, witnessing opportunity. So, beloved, if we are to be effective in winning people to Christ, we need to be mindful that the Lord Jesus is the God of the open door. And we need to be sensitive to that. And we need to be open to that. And we need to be mindful and prayerful. And we need to ask the good Lord, Lord, make it very clear to me the open door for today, to be a witness of your saving grace. Take the opportunity that you have before you. If we don't sow, we will not reap. The third verse here in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 gives us another principle and that is there are governing principles that God will honour. God will not violate these governing principles. And it's illustrated here in the third verse. It reads, If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. So we're given the illustration of clouds full of rain, the waters will fall. And if a tree collapses, there it will remain. It's not going to crawl into a more comfortable location. It's not going to crawl or move into a more convenient location. Where it falls, it falls. Clouds are full of water, it will rain. So the simple illustration is simply this. There are governing principles that God will honour. In other words, if we do not sow, we will not reap. I think sometimes we can stand back and be almost envious at the fact that these Mormons and JWs, their churches are growing. Let me tell you why their churches are growing. Because they are sowing. They are sowing heresy, but because they are sowing, they are reaping. See? And, uh, but the average independent Baptist is not sowing and therefore he's not reaping, but these uh, cults are sowing and they are reaping because these are eternal principles. If you sow, you will reap. So there are governing principles that God will honour. What is it that saves a person from their sin? Is it simply your life testimony? Of course not. What does the Bible say? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please. What message will save? Is it just reflecting Jesus Christ? 
There's nothing wrong with being a godly example. That should go without saying. But what is it that will save a person from their sin? Well, the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verses 2 to 4, by which also you were saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. What was it that the Apostle Paul preached that saved? The third verse, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So what is the Gospel that saves? It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us, for I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it that will save men and women from their sin? It is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what will save souls. And that is what we need to proclaim. Not only the death, the burial, the resurrection, the full gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. See, there are governing principles that God will honour. Just because somebody knows that you are a Christian will not save them. It might have an impression upon them, and so it should, and it might be a means of them getting saved, but at the end of the day, what saves people from their sin? It's the Gospel. So we need to pray for opportunity to share the Gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ because there are some governing principles that God will honour. The Bible teaches us there is power in the Gospel. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto what? Salvation. So we need to be mindful of that. And as we seek opportunities to be a witness for Christ, We need to pray that God will enable us to go through the gospel fully. See, your testimony, my testimony, can have impact, but it cannot save. Your uh, expression of your faith by your works can have impact, but it cannot save. It is the gospel that saves. And that's what we need to proclaim. And we need to be reminded of that very fact that it's one thing to share with somebody that we are Christian but that in itself won't save anybody. We need to be praying for an opportunity to show them from the Word of God that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Therein is the power of God. See, it is within the Gospel. So there are governing principles that God will honour. 
The gospel is powerful and if we are to see people saved, we need to be mindful, I need to present the gospel. I need to turn this conversation around and present the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ because within that message there is power. There is power. Note then verse number 4 of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse number 4. Another principle that I believe we need to be reminded of in order to reignite our soul winning fervour. Verse number 4 of chapter 11 it reads, He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. If you focus on the weather forecast, you will not do anything. <laughs> the pending weather be- can become a smokescreen of excuses. And the point I want to stress from verse number four is that you and I if we are to be witnesses, then we need to set aside excuses. Excuses. That will hinder you and I from being a witness for Jesus Christ. For he that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. There's got to be a point where you need to just say, okay, I'm just going to put my head down, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sow my seed, I'm going to harvest my crop. No matter what the weatherman, Mr Moon, is telling me, it's going to happen in the next 24 hours. I'm just going to do it because this is what we're going to do. And, and you know me, I'm not much to check the weather. I have some of you experts that enlighten me of the weather forecast. I'm of the philosophy, I'm going to just pray for the right weather for the occasion. And I can say that 99% of the time, God hears my prayers. See? So I'm not one to check the weather, uh, but I'm one to consult God as this is what we're going to do. Let's do it and don't bother me with the facts. Uh, Let's just pray that it won't rain on the day. And uh, let's just move ahead. Let's go for it. And beloved, if you and I are to be a witness for Christ, we need to set aside our excuses. I'm too tired. They won't listen. They'll never talk to me again. And just do what God has called us to do. Now, I understand we need to be tactful and we need to be timely. But I'm afraid that we go overboard in that regard to the point that we fail to be obedient to the mandate that God has given to us, which is to preach the gospel to every creature. I'm mindful of 2 Kings chapter 5. There's that little maid working in Naaman's household, how she courageously spoke up. She could have lost more than her job. She could have lost her life. But yet she courageously spoke up and said, I know of someone that can help your husband with his 
leprosy. What a bold statement. Can you imagine what Naaman's wife thought? This little squirt thinks she knows somebody that can perform a miracle for my husband? Yes. May God help us to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And may God help us not to be like Jonah, just full of excuses. They don't deserve deliverance. Those Assyrians, they're nasty. They're cruel. They've had their chance before. What excuses do we hide behind to justify our lack of soul-winning zeal? Yes, tact. Yes, timing. But at the end of the day, may God help us to set aside our excuses that are hindering us from being a witness for Jesus Christ. Then we move on in verse number 5 of Ecclesiastes 11. And we are reminded here of the principle that soul winning is a supernatural work. Note verse 5, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Soul winning is a spiritual work. We cannot manufacture fruit, but you and I need to abide in Christ and the Bible tells us that we will be fruitful. And as we faithfully preach the gospel, we need to trust God to work. For God to do that which we cannot see. For God to do His eternal work. The Lord Jesus made reference to that eternal work. There in John chapter 3, verse number 8, please. The Gospel of John, the third chapter. In verse number 8, as the Lord Jesus witnessed this religious man, he said, Marvel not, ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell Whence it cometh and whither it goeth. You can see the effects of the wind, but you cannot see the wind with your naked eye. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So Jesus said to this religious man, you need to be born again. It's a spiritual work. I'm not talking about life uh, reformation. I'm talking about spiritual transformation. And you and I as Bible-believing Christians need to be mindful that soul winning is not a matter of you and I winning people unto ourselves. It is not salesmanship. It is a spiritual work. And at the end of the day, we do our part and God promises to do His part. And you and I need to leave the results to Him. We cannot manufacture fruits. It grows as we share the gospel 
with others, the living seed of the Word of God. That living seed of the Word of God has life therein. And he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless, doubtless, the Bible teaches us, come rejoicing, bringing his sheaves, his harvest, with him. And there in verse number 6, of Ecclesiastes 11 it reads, In the morning sow thy seed, and in, in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. The last principle of soul winning that I'd like to share with you this evening Not only do we need to be mindful that soul winning is a spiritual work. It is a work that God does within the heart of the individual. And that's illustrated there in verse number 5. But here in verse number 6, the principle is simply this. Leave the results to God. If we will do our part, God will do his part. It's as simple as that. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians, third chapter. In verses 5 to 8, the Bible teaches us, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 8, who then is Paul who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but who gives the increase? God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, So the issue is not whether you are a follower of the Apostle Paul or whether you are a follower of Apollos, but God that giveth the increase. Verse 7. Verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his labour. Verse 9. For we are labourers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And the point I want to stress is this, that if you and I will do our part, God will do his part. So the issue is not results for you and I. The issue for you and I is sow, 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 sow the gospel, sow the gospel, sow the gospel. We sow and other waters, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. And we need to have faith in God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The just shall live by faith. And Isaiah chapter 55, please. Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. In verses 10 and 11 it reads, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven 
and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, that which God is pleased with, and it shall what? Prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So God promises us that his word will not return void. And you and I, in being a soul winner to Christ, I'm afraid that so often we can get discouraged because we're looking for the results. And really, we are the ones that have convinced ourselves subconsciously because I've shown so much, I ought to be seeing some results. And that can be discouraging. But you and I need to come back to the point that we are just fellow labourers. We are called upon to sow. We are called upon to water that which is sown. And at the end of the day, who gives the increase? God gives the increase. Leave the results to God. He will give the increase. The Bible teaches us His Word will not return void. It will do as He pleases and it will prosper wherever it is sent. Beloved, this evening, Haggai chapter 2 verse 19 reads, Is the seed yet in the barn? Is the seed yet in the barn? God rebuked the nation of Israel for not getting the seed out of the barn, that place of storage. And in the same way, the seed of the gospel that has been sown in your heart and in my heart, that's brought forth fruit, it is not to remain in the barn. That seed needs to be planted elsewhere that it might produce more fruit, much fruit and fruit that will remain. It is the gospel that saves. It's not our life testimony. It's not our good works. Yes, we need to be an example of Christ-likeness. And yes, we need to demonstrate our faith by our deeds. But these in and of themselves will not save anybody. It's the gospel that saves. It is Jesus Christ that saves sinners. And we need to preach his death. We need to preach his burial. And we need to preach his resurrection. And unless we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, people will not get saved. It just seems the world has lost perspective in this pandemic. Thinking that their only hope is in a vaccine But my friend, whether there will be a coronavirus vaccine or not, may I remind you that people will still die in their sin and they will either go to heaven or hell. And what are we doing to keep people from going to hell. 
are we redirecting them to heaven with the gospel of Jesus Christ? This needs to be our focus, beloved. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Let's close our sermon with a desperate cry from hell, from one that made no time to prepare for eternity, but whilst in eternal torment, he was very concerned about his loved ones. There in Luke chapter 16, in Luke chapter 16, this rich man, the Bible teaches us, lifted up his eyes being torments and note what he said in verse 27 and 28 of Luke 16 I pray thee therefore father that thou wilt send him to my father's house for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment It seems like people live as if they are invincible. And their only fear is getting the coronavirus. And if I can be kept from getting the coronavirus, I'll live forever. But man needs to fear God, man needs to fear the Creator. So whether coronavirus or not, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And in facing the reality of death, I trust that will prompt individuals to consider their eternal standing before a holy God. So, beloved, we are called to confront people. People need to be confronted with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, they will live in denial of the inevitable, which is physical, spiritual death in hellfire without Christ. That's our mandate. So, child of God, I'd like to urge you this evening, Let's get back to the main thing. Let's stop being so selfish and self-centred. And let's be mindful that we have hope, the hope of eternal life. And let's be mindful that we have a mandate from heaven and that people will die one way or another as it is appointed under man once to die. People have one chance once to die and then the judgment. That's the message we need to proclaim. May God help us to recalculate and refocus 
and keep the main thing the main thing. Because I'm afraid that maybe, just maybe for some of us, we've lost our perspective. And we're not seeing people through the eyes of eternity. This man, this woman, will either spend eternity in heaven or hell. Heaven or hell. And I have that message of hope that will redirect a person from hell to heaven. And I have a mandate from God to share that message with others. So some simple principles that we've stressed this evening. If we sow, we will reap. Number two, take the opportunities that God places before you. Number three, there are governing principles that God will honour. The power to save is in the Gospel. Number four, set aside the excuses. Number five, let's be mindful that soul winning is a spiritual work. And last but not least, principle number six, it is God that gives the increase. We're just called upon to be faithful. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. God will give the increase. May I encourage you, church family, this evening, for those of us that have received Jesus Christ as Saviour, if you know Him personally as your Saviour and Lord, may I exhort you this evening, consider the Great Commission. Let's recalculate and consider the mandate that God has given to us and consider it could well be that rich man is still in hell, lost perspective of time and he's still crying out, somebody, somebody please go back and warn my loved ones lest they come to this place of torment. Please, please, have somebody tell them lest they come and be tormented in these flames. Please, please, please. May God help us to refocus.